Reset Rebel uh, with me, Joe Yule, and um, on today's episode, we are over in, well, buried behind Amnesia, basically, um, one of the biggest super clubs on the island, and right now, I'm kind of seated in what feels a little bit like an amphitheatre, um, in one of these lovely comfy sofas off to the side, uh, with today's guest, uh, Mr. Trace Harris. Good afternoon. Hello there, good afternoon. Welcome to my home. Thank you so much. I've just noticed that my microphone muff is not aboard the device I'm recording on. So I'm just going to fish it out of my handbag. One second. The muff is missing. Never mind. Um, we are sitting um, in the wonderful surroundings of Ibank. And I've never actually been here before. And you've invited me many times to pop up here. So I'm glad that I finally been. made it. I can't believe you've not been here. I've been trying three, four years to get you here. But you're here now of your own will. So that's the best Better time. late than never. It's the best time now is the time. Now is the time, in the winter time, yes, when there's nobody here and I've got this gorgeous little doggy with his little head on my lap. Who's this man? This is iDog, as you can see, has one eye. Uh, Sylvia calls him Hi Dog, which is actually a Romanian word. Um, she kind of rescued him, actually, from um, where he was before and it's a uh, second love. I'm putting myself first. That might be a bit much. Um, I, I didn't want. I didn't actually want any dogs in my house because I'm a cat person. But I fell in love with a girl with a dog, and now there he is, and he's a wonderful little asset. To You've got the full Ibango family with you. Yes, a full family Ibango. Ibango meaning Ibiza, bang and go. The bang related to percussion. That's why I came up with the name. Some people think it's some North American tribal, and I allow them to think that, but it's not really. It's it's Ibiza, bang and go. Ibango. Quite catchy now quite well known actually in a wonderful way I, d- I did wonder about that actually but I didn't realise it was quite as um, yeah quite as simple quite as that simple. I quite like it <laughs> the simple things always it is a, it's quite a, it's a really good good name because now we have like the Abango tribe which is related to the jams I do and amongst those jams all musicians is uh, we have three or four bands inspired by that and they're really good we just jam it's quite a night we play everywhere now actually playing at Farada this Saturday a little local market I'm going to get on to what you do now in a, in a little wee while, but um, the, the tradition of this podcast being called The Reset Rebel is sort of kind of getting to the, getting to the crux of um, what brought you here. So I know that you obviously were heavily involved in the dance music, but how did, so what kind of brought you to Ibiza? What was your journey here? OK, I'll try and shorten this. My background for about 22 years uh, stems from promoting club events in the best clubs in London. Um, I became Ministry of Sound's uh, world tour percussionist, incredibly proud of that, always will be, because I was the only one, uh, 1995, travelled everywhere with them, 26 countries, um, as a percussionist, along with all the superstar DJs, that broadened my vision of the world and my knowledge of different countries and how music works in some countries, in other countries they looked at us as though we was a bit odd, 1995 remember. And off the back of touring with them, I created my own promotion called Smarty Party, which lasted 19 years. Uh, I only just folded that. That means it didn't end. I, I just kind of wound it down to move to Ibiza because at, at, at my age then, which was about 54 then, I 
thought I'd come to the craziest place in the world to calm down. But that took two years. <laughs> I think a lot of us thought we were going to come here and calm yeah, down, but um, it's kind of just the most ridiculous concept, really. It, it is. It's like you throw. It's like you want to become a vegan, so you go and work on a fishing farm. Um, so I came here with the. It's the most unbalanced place on the planet. So you, therefore, you have to find your own balance, and it's not easy. But um, I'm not a, addicted to anything really. Uh, and I came here, and the first year I just was back on the train again, doing parties, and then I managed to shut myself off from the electronic world for about a year how did you do that i went to benny Rass and just drummed i'm a drummer and i just fitted in or didn't with the tribe their tribe been going since the 60s started out of the vietnam war actually that was a protest at the beginning i only really found that out recently um because well, our last guest actually on last week's podcast was uh, cliff Grubin of uh, Wild Beats and he was sort of saying about all the misfits that kind of go up to uh, Benaras and, yes. and get into that sort of drumming well, vibe so I'm intrigued at how, how you got into all of that. The, misfits I would say I've been involved in a lot of this actually years ago in London in television and film some good good stuff as an extra no big deal and I would say Ibiza is one big casting agency if you want to film the next Johnny Depp film everyone is here if you want to film any film you can imagine the characters are on this island now you go to Benny Rass and and that is where you every single one's a character there there'll be the the woman from Pasha who danced in Pasha the day it opened still there dancing and you, we don't really know who she is until someone says or she reminds you and then the teddy bear woman quite famous um, Paris Hilton hijacked her two years ago to be in the DJ booth probably paid her 500 quid and this woman has a teddy bear that's apparently a reincarnated <laughs> husband. And like you're, like you're laughing, Joe, it almost becomes normal. And you see car- characters at Benny Rass and elsewhere and go, well, what's their story then? And they'll tell you the most ridiculous story <laughs> that it's Freddie Mercury's ex-car washer or something. And just everyone's a character. And this island magnetises and pulls all them in here. There's, there's, it's, it's ridiculous. If you come here and say you're a yoga instructor, no disrespect, it's like being a milkman in the 70s. <laughs> No, it, it, but it's no big deal, is it? What I do know, if you come here and you're a professional footballer, no big deal, it's a bit snobby, but drummers, they go mad over drummers here. And you just walk along with a drum on your back and you're considered... A rock star. Kind of a bit of a rock star. So our ego flies out the window, you know, and we're all drumming away. And Benny Rass is a great place for this to happen. Well, it's not a bad spot in terms of the aesthetics. It's probably one of the most beautiful sunsets on the island, which um, is obviously what you kind of normally build up to with that whole kind of uh, percussive... Sunday session that you guys all get involved in yeah and it does continue in the winter it just changes under elements when elements closes that came off the back of the drumming let's get this right not the other way around because there's been a bit of a war over this oh I love a bit of uh, handbags of dawnage on this podcast I'll throw that spanner in there and along the lines of uh, there's a few guys uh, the uncrowned heroes and leaders I'm not calling myself one of them I'm just a drummer uh, although I've been called that in a magazine, not my fault. I got told off for that. There's no kings of Benny Rass. I said, I didn't say that. The paper did, but they did. Anyway, these uncrowned kings uh, put a, a strike, a drummer's strike. They stopped the drummers going down there because elements, uh, there was something to do with money. It was all to do with money. So there was a drum strike and there was no drumming. So the whole beach wants the drummers. They might want the food of elements and elsewhere, but really they go there for the drummers. And this statement was quite a powerful one. It almost it got in many papers. Some people messaged me to ask for the inside story, but I, 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 I mustn't say too much, because I won't be allowed to drum there next. Um, 
and uh, there was a strike of the drummers and at some point everyone wants to drum we're drummers so I, I, I was one of them actually I, I went there with a group of friends I have lots of drummer friends and we just drummed regardless of whether we should or not and we got a few evil eyes from the leaders but eventually they drummed as well and I had something to do I think with breaking the protocol getting the drumming going and it was on a different day actually because drumming traditionally is Sunday but it happens every day so Benny Rass is is uh, I suppose if you take away the phones and you took a picture of it in 1960 then another picture next week it'd be the same picture mm. just different haircuts <laughs> well, I don't know actually so they're pretty not, much maybe, the same to be fair maybe not okay, uh, yeah Kind of a, yeah, a, a wonderful place. Yeah, do you bring someone here from, say, my background, super clubs, all this London, you know, all this, and I do it all the time now. I take someone there. Like, I used to come here for 20 years. I saw the airport, a hotel, a club, played my drums, went home. My interpretation of Ibiza was Pasha, Privilege, Bora Bora, etc., etc., where I often did even my own events. So I know people's mindset sometimes that just do the clubs, and if they have a spare day, I take them to Benny Rass and it just blows their mind. Mm. They just this island is incredibly beautiful. You know that. Joe. There's so but, much you can never get bored here ever, ever. Mm. No, I, well, I couldn't agree more. And it's good to go and experience the different side to the island, which I only actually discovered after almost like two decades of coming here. I, I actually went yeah. north of Ibiza town, and that is when I decided That's to move here. You went north. I had not been north of Ibiza town in the entire time I've been coming here. And, to, and then when I found it, I was like, I'm never, ever leaving. This is it. You know, I'm moving here hmm. because I didn't know that there was such a healing side to the island in the north. I had no idea it existed. Well, traditionally, uh, the club world thinks that it starts at end of May, Actually, now it's the beginning of May. And after the summer, which is traditionally used to be end of September, now it's the middle of October. Mm. Uh, and that's it. Ibiza goes to sleep. Mm. Oh, no, it doesn't. It no. completely changes. And my personal opinion, if I had to choose six months, it would be the, the winter months. Mm. Um, arguably, January, it can get a bit cold. But there's wonderful things happen here. I personally do more stuff in the winter, like Spirit Festival... As I said on Saturday, Farada, St. Geordie Market and other things. I do more personally in the winter than the summer because everybody's running around trying to make their money. Nothing wrong with that. Hardly time to say hello. You might meet over the uh, the, the counter in a supermarket, mm. etc. But the person's running. They've got to do their stuff. Mm. The ideal setup here is to do OK in the summer and then trickle along in the winter. Mm. And that's what we all perceive to do. But I'm interested in this um, story that you were kind of in the middle of telling us about how you went to Benaras for a year and got into this drumming ah. thing to sort of get your balance back. You got good, out of the party good. world, and yeah. um, I see I'm going to have to well, steer you in the right direction here, Trace. <laughs> no, 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 no. I need. I've always needed a bit of steering. Um, I know one of those stub, stubborn old shopping trolleys that has got a mind of its I, own. I've got a really. I have a really good answer for this, but let, let's try and keep it tight. I didn't get out of the party world because the feeling, you're your self-feeling of gratification from say doing what I've done before an event for 6,000, 5,000 people with huge money involved and you go home with your money to your big house and your big car is a great feeling I get exactly the same feeling now because I put an event on once a week uh, for, there's no money involved at all but the feeling to my body without the stress is the same feeling without the stress so my reason for going to Benny Rass, because I was getting back on, that's it, I was getting back on that train again of being asked to do parties in privilege, etc., etc., for money. Um, and I just started to say no, no, no. Now, so I wasn't tempted, I went to Benny Rass and drummed. And drumming is the oldest tribal 
um, phenomenon musically in existence. The drumming, the shamanic drumming, comes from the woman's womb. Are you aware of this? When you're, when not, you're no. well, when you're a baby in our mum's womb, with her heartbeat, it's very comforting. Or she's running around doing the ironing, or or having a row with her husband, the heartbeat changes. So as a baby, you learn rhythm without knowing what it means. And at its calmest state, you're in your mama's womb and she's sitting there with, and you're just at peace. It's a drumming. Boom, 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 boom. The heartbeat. And that's drumming. That's kind of shamanic drumming. Mm. So when, when you drum, you go into a state. I've drummed before for five hours and thought it's been an hour. And that's without drink or drugs or anything, but it's similar. You kind of go into a state and it's, it's purely, purely tribal. So that's the healing of drumming, I suppose. You heal yourself. No, all this talk about healers, 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 they, they're guides. They don't heal you. We heal ourselves. We need guidance and, and knowledge of them sometimes. But and drumming in particular for me has always grounded me. It used to be obviously in clubs and, and it was a different kind of grounding. But here, just to drum, and you don't have to even be in a group. It doesn't have to be Benny Rass. It can be on your own, a personal thing. It's incredibly calming. Because at some point, if you can detach yourself from thinking, not easy, thinking and just drum, you're back in your mum's womb. You are in the most safest, warmest, wonderful place. Mm. And that's what it does to you. And hugely, it's a powerful thing. Just to just drum slowly. We're not talking crazy club drumming. It's boom. Boom, boom. It's beautiful, beautiful. And that's how you kind of detach yourself from the kind of more materialistic side or commercial side of the island that you were involved in, in terms of like the clubbing side yeah, of things. Yeah, because you kind of, it reminds you of something so simple, something that's so basic is all you need to feel complete, balanced, calm and stuff. Anything outside can can give you distractions so the 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 drumming and i'm sure it's the same for other instruments just completely balances you from a position of let's say naught now from that position you then have time to rethink where do i go now whereas you're always on the track of fast moving and earning good money or fast money and all that you never stop and pause and work out who you are you just don't get some people go for their whole life and never actually know they never stop and i'm not criticizing that but the drumming thing which is meditation and of course meditation the same and silence and silence gives you time to go back to let's call it zero and go again and where do you go if you don't ever go back to zero you may walk around lost all your life as many do well especially on this island i think that you know a lot of people get so buried in either the party scene or yeah. even even in the healing scene actually they go so deep into so many different parts of healing they're all a bit discombobulated they and get, they get and un, they the get healing. unraveled they get unraveled and they don't you know they don't know how to reset they don't know how to yeah. go back to zero yeah. zero is not even an option anymore it's a long begone yeah. thing that they've actually lost along the way and it, it's it's really you know i don't see how millions of people here like that there's, a, there's quite a few no, it's almost an addiction it's almost like you've replaced an addiction of alcohol or drugs or fast cars or promis promiscuity is that the right word promiscuity that's the word uh with something else but then you're still you you mustn't be completely apart from love in its truest form i find that a completely healthy addiction every other addiction can be too much well, even if it's yoga, even if it's healing, even if it's ayahuasca and all these medicines that are out there, which I'm sure are wonderful. But if you if you get 
let's talk about ayahuasca and, and some of these wonderful plant-based medicines people take. I know, I know people are addicted to taking them, but they're, they're a bit lost, actually, unless they... No, I'm not, nothing wrong with doing it, but it mustn't control you. You, you, you have to uh, get what you get from it and learn from it. Anything in extremes is, is an addiction, and it can addiction as a downfall i think you know there's a lot of self-inquiry going on on this island which is a good thing but i think absolutely the extremism of that extremism in any form and it doesn't matter what that refers to whether it be partying boozing you know healing yogaing breathing any of that stuff you know it's good to dabble with all of these things to find answers but you know actually when you go too deep into something you do get completely lost and i do know a lot of people that have gone down the ayahuasca route that really you know, ended well, marriages and all sorts of things because they've just literally turned still into... outside of themselves, you see. I mean, ayahuasca and many other things, correctly applied, can st- stop you thinking, stop you doing anything and make you pause, again, exactly the same thing as the drumming, really, and recollect where am I in my life, have time to decide which path do I take, do I continue, is that right, is that wrong, it can pause you, It's like a, but, if, but if you can keep looking outside for the next fix of whatever it might be, you're not pausing again, again you're not pausing and stopping and looking who you are, so you're just back on the road again, forever, until a shock maybe uh, can pull you back, but I think the thing is to I'm not I'm not the best at, at this. I naturally do it, thank God, because of the drumming thing. It naturally occurs to me. But um, my girlfriend Sylvia once a week fasts and don't talk, and once a month spends ten days in the forest on brown rice on her own, doing nothing, and it's incredibly powerful. She, the purpose of some of that is, I know it's mad, isn't it? The purpose of some of that is, she's explained to me, and I've kind of witnessed because it's my girlfriend, is to retake your your soul back to the very most basic it can be without any distractions, and then you think and go again. And it's powerful. You, Vipassana, it's called Vipassana. Vipassana, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a standard that. meditation. And yeah, the she silence. Does, does that. I mean, I have to be the person bringing her the brown, brown rice every three days, not even water. And I wondered at first why did she did it, but when I first fell deeply in love with Sylvia, I witnessed her doing it. And I'm not going to criticise, say, why are you doing that? What, what are you doing? Are you mad? But, but, but I'd see the benefits of it as I'm a boyfriend. She just comes back and she's just high. High. Nat- and the most natural high. And incredibly powerful. I've done it for 24 hours. <laughs> I was going to say, I cannot imagine you not talking for 10 no, days. It's a nice not. idea, no, though. Of course not. I mean, I've, but it's even the 24 hours I did it, we went and slept at Atlantis in a little tent, was amazing. Just to, you, you know, could you just naturally go, oh, can you pass that? Or, oh, can I join some water? And you pull yourself back. And I believe other things enhance because you're not blah, 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 blah. But all the other senses come back to life in a way that they can't do when you're just ingesting, you know, noise and people and, you know, everything else that that comes with life, really. Um, And obviously, a lot of digital media, which, of course, our life kind of revolves around as well. And I have done a lot of um, silent retreats and also a lot of fasting as well. Um, My longest being actually 10 days in Thailand. 
and yeah, it, it, you know, you what, what it does for you is it just completely resets everything, yeah. either the digestive system, but you know, the energy you get from that. I mean, I normally do one week of fasting every year as well, around about this time of year. Yeah. I didn't do it this year, yeah. but I might still go and do it at the end of the year. And I yeah. think after a busy summer in Ibiza, it's, you know, I can understand why she does it. It's probably the most yeah. amazing thing she could possibly do. She's probably yeah. the best possible yeah. version of herself for you. Yeah, yeah, and I reap the benefits of all that i which you can tell by my talking naturally am a talker i've always had to be being a promoter etc and all that sylvia is i'm not saying she's not my opposite but she just calms me just by sitting next to her because i mustn't talk to her either and that's quite hard to understand uh, recently i was asked to do something i play an instrument called a hang drum with toby clark he does a thing called walking ibiza and we've just we've just had him on the podcast actually about two weeks ago. We had um, the Toby just before he went away on the Round the Island Walk and he actually gave okay. one of the spaces through this podcast to charity. So we've got a hit and run victim on his Around the Island Walk called Laura. This is kind of one of the purposes of this podcast is that we give a little gift back to charity with whoever we're talking to. So we'll get to that later and see what you want to say. Okay, but do get no pressure. To, it's quite it's quite <laughs> cool what we did for me and Sylvia did for Toby uh, two nights ago around a campfire mm. musically. That Tell was quite bad. Okay, well, I've done it twice now for Toby. He arranged so that me and Sylvia, me with what's called a hang drum, you may or may not know what that is. You know what a hang drum is? Like a big walk. Everyone says that. Uh, and Sylvia plays a very bass, bass, not basic, shamanic drum. Exactly like the heartbeat. It's exactly like the heartbeat. And the instrument I play fits beautifully around that. So we had to meet all these guys. We actually went to the wrong place, first of all, Tanit's Cave, and Toby texted me and said, we're here, and I said, well, so are we. And he went, no, it's the tower. So we rushed through the night, in the dark, in my car, through the forest, didn't want to give up, found all these people sitting around a campfire. And as I always do, I try and explain, Toby introduces me wonderfully, uh, uh, and um, I explain this instrument, what I'm about to play because someone will always go it's a wok especially if they've had a beer um, and they'll wonder who this guy is just come through the forest who does he think he is not all of them it always happens amongst the group and I sit down and talk to him and one of the powerfulest thing I explain about this instrument and this is very powerful and to my heart is if you were completely deaf you'd feel this instrument exactly the same maybe even more that means you're not hearing it you're feeling it and I, 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 three years ago, I played this uh, on my dad's comatized body, actually. Um, and I learned a lot about it. And I also spent a little bit of time with Robert Miles before he died, bless him, about sound healing, the vibrational sound of an instrument, which is incredibly powerful. So anyway, so I had to meet Toby, so I get the instrument. There's about 15 people around the fire. We sit down. I talk, first of all, about the instrument a little bit and I explained a bit about my dad to try and calm him down a bit and to get get him just because some of them are always a bit a bit mouthy right and that normally shuts people up I played this on my dad's comatized body and they go oh shit we better be quiet gets their attention and then I played and Sylvia which she does joins me and they're all I ask them to close their eyes if they don't mind and every single time I do it at least one person cries and it's normally the person says who's a little bit loud. I don't want to say aggressive, but it's always that person. If you can get them just to close their eyes and pay attention, they melt. The hang drum has an effect. It's a frequency that has an effect on people, like the violin would, on any Jewish person, would cry if a violin was played at a certain frequency. It's in them to cry. 
Maybe we should get your hang drum out. Where is it? I'll pause that and I'll go and get it. All right, let's do that. Give me two minutes, I'll go and we'll get it. We'll just uh, have a little reset. We'll just wait for you. So he's back with his hang drum. Um, yeah. I've, I, do you know what? I have seen quite a lot of hangs because my friend, a couple right. of my friends play them out in... Um, in India, but that's really quite beautiful, that one. Yeah, this is from Russia. I mean, Hang is the original uh, trademark, but it's evolved since then. Um, I've actually been playing this for 12 years, and I've only been out about 14 years. So, and it's a wonderful instrument now, where I used to have to carry around the weld, all my percussion stuff, 100 kilo, and with what comes with that access baggage, this you can put on your back and go everywhere. So, we was recently asked, we do the most diverse things, end of ceremonies, yoga retreats, etc. And was asked to do Colin Butt's funeral. A very well-known guy on the island, been here for years. Just finished his film, White Ibiza. And he's also wrote a book about him, his cancer. And he finished it about a week before he died. And that book is a, obviously a big book. A really well-known guy. And Stephen Lawrence that arranged his funeral in London because that's where he needed treatment asked us to um, play at the sprinkling of his ashes here it was also the sprinkling of the ashes of his lovely dog on a beach at Esteren was it yeah so it's quite a wonderful thing for me and Sylvia to do so we're going to play just a very mini demonstration of what we do you may not get the full effect on the mic there but it's just a beautiful instrument and this instrument in particular can make people cry um, so we'll play just for a minute. Joe, you tell us when to stop, because once we start, we could go on till tomorrow. Beautiful, very, very beautiful. Thank you so much for Welcome. that. Wonderful. So you went up to Toby's and that is what you played the other evening. Yes, Toby invited us um, up to play for him. He knew what to expect from us because we did it before. And it was kind of a treat for his uh, walking IB for people. Something a bit different, I would imagine. And uh, we arrived after struggling through the forest. We nearly never even got to him. We could see the lighthouse, but we literally branches sticking our head and Sylvia's bare feet guided us through and we come out into where they are they're all sitting around a fire uh, about 10 10 or so people and um, after managing to get them to be quiet and calm them down a bit uh, we um, performed for them I briefly firstly explained the instrument that I was playing called the hang drum where it comes from what it's meant to mean and what it means to me personally, especially as of uh, I, two years ago, used the same instrument to help my dad come out of a coma. Because I understood about feeling music rather than just hearing music. Um, 
which is what I said before, if you're completely deaf, you feel this instrument the same, maybe even more, maybe even more. So it's an incredibly personal instrument to me, and I play it more and more and more, at least once a week somewhere, in the most amazing events, Spirit Ibiza, uh, Farada this week. I'm not promoting them, I don't need to do that no more, but we play in just wonderful events, the most unusual events, like a funeral recently, and went to London to play at a hemp festival in Transylvania for Sylvia's mum in the mountains of Transylvania. Wow. And wow, um, it's Sylvia's mum's event. That was amazing. I was lucky enough to play with the most well-known percussionist in, um, in Romania. He's a concert pianist and percussionist of all sorts and he invited me to play with him at an event where the local priest was there, the mayor was there, the, all the people, all to do with hemp. The contro controversy of hemp is Sylvia's mum's trying to iron it out and bring it back to its basics, which means everyone can grow it and use it, not for smoking, but for healing, makeup, toothpaste, it, the list is ridiculous. Uh, anyway, so my point being with this instrument, it's I used to travel with my drums all around the world with the huge backing of Ministry of Sound behind me. Now it's me, Sylvia, a little backpack, uh, pack of peanuts, and we travel which is wonderful and it's at least as good as any of that I've ever done before. The feeling is probably more so because there's not really money involved. Just pure fun and pleasing people. Um, yeah, so we did the, the for Toby, managed to get him to be silent and it always wins people over. Maybe drums are great, but the drums, this instrument always wins people over. The first time you play, we play about five minutes and then we stop and no one talks. Now you're wondering, do they like it? Should they clap or what? And they all just and someone will always walk out as a gentleman did always and said, "What is that? I've never felt felt anything like that before," and it blows their mind. And that's the vibrational healing frequency of this instrument, which is incredibly it's, it's knowledge lost being retrieved because sound healing was involved in the Egyptian pyramids and the Maya Indians and everything. Probably normal to them. A bit like sticking David Getter on now for some pop kid. <laughs> oh my God, seriously, that, that's almost like blasphemy on this yeah, no, podcast. Well, that, I thought I'd throw that in because nothing could be more opposite than this. So yeah, that's what uh, me and Sylvia do a lot. And especially in winter, we'll be asked to play in villas or at the end of a big ceremony where they've maybe been on ayahuasca for a week and they're all chilled at the end and then we will just slowly start playing a bit like you heard earlier and, it, and, they, and they will like it, they, they do. And we like it, so that's what we do. Well, how was that when you brought your father out of a coma with uh, with the hang drum? I mean, um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you don't have yeah. to. I, th um, I received a phone call, the, the worst phone call you can get. Trace, your dad's in an ambulance on his way. He's been found on the floor for four days on his own. And I get that information living in Ibiza, living in paradise, if you like. And I'm immediately on a plane as soon as I get that information and there's huge love between my dad. It's not going, I'm not going back out of um, duty. I'm going back out of love and I feel like I'm in a movie. As soon as I'm leaving my house, uh, everything seems like I'm floating. You know, I, I don't know if I'm even alive. And I get back to London. Um, as soon as I get to London, I, I didn't want to phone up the hospital in case they said he's gone. I had another hour journey after that down to Essex. And I didn't want to make that journey now and he's died. So I took a, um, a, a um, decision to just get to the hospital. 
and I don't know who's alive when I'm walking in and it's dark and it's one o'clock in the morning and visiting hours don't apply to me, I'm his son. So I walk in, this bloke from Ibiza, some of the nurses was told his son's coming Ibiza with no idea who, who I am. I've got this funny instrument on my back. I'm probably dressed differently to everybody else in the hospital. And immediately, as people do, they would have made a bit of a judgment. Oh, God, who's this guy from Ibiza? Because people's interpretation of Ibiza, if they don't know it, is probably just drugs and clubs. Understandably, in some way. So anyway, I get to the reception, and, and that's the only time I know he's alive. Uh, where's my dad? I'm Trace Harris. My dad's Tommy Harris. And they said he's in that room there. That mo The moment they could have said, I'm sorry, he's gone. I would have dealt with that hour. I would have dealt with it. So I go into his room, and and I closed the door behind me. I didn't know the protocol, what you're allowed to do and what you're not, sat with him. He looks beautiful, peaceful, but no movement at all. And after what might have been a couple of hours of just holding him, I get this instrument. It's different to that, but it's the same principle and the same thing. And I just start, I put it on his body and I play it, but not just like rocking out. I'm playing it in a hospital and it's incredibly peaceful in a hospital at night. It's not all people screaming that happens it's peaceful it's, it's eerie it's strange and incredibly powerful so i i play it on his body the instrument that's so weird my dad is calling me at this exact moment that is quite sorry that's freaked me sure out you are you sure you don't want to talk to him his name's not tommy is it it's my problem it's my not, dad it's Colin. telling him to call you he's still alive he's not calling from upstairs well he might i don't know they might be connected in some way this wonderful world i don't know what goes on so so anyway, I played this instrument for hours and hours and I eventually I fall asleep, like in a little chair next to his bed, holding his hand. In fact, I put, I put his hand on my head for some reason. And in the, many hours pass, the nurse comes in very quietly and changes his drip and all this food that goes into his belly because of course he can't eat. And my dad's still thin. And they say, hi Trace, and I, I just managed to... Um, I it's like you're in a film, I can't explain it. The night time comes again, I don't even remember the daytime. And I continue a bit of a routine. Maybe after three days, uh, I fell my dad, I, I think his hand was on my head, or I was holding his other hand, I can't remember, but there was some, some movement. And you, you would know the movement because you're in complete silence, of course, and you're in complete nothing, nothing. And, and, he's, and so I start playing and his hand moves. And then I start to play about with that a little bit. I stop playing, his hand stops. I go to the nurse very quietly. I said, excuse me, I think my dad's coming round, which is, of course is what you want from a coma. But I don't know nothing. And she said, oh, oh, okay. And I said, but his hand's moving. And she says, I very remember clearly, oh, that's just a normal response from the medicine, I say. I didn't say... I don't know. So I went back from, did my own research again, back to his room, only 30 seconds away, played again, stopped, played again, stopped. And without foul, he was squeezing my hand because I was saying, can you, can you, I, I did say hear. I didn't know about feeling then. Can you hear that, Dad? And he went, squeezed my hand, got the nurse. By then it's almost daylight. She comes in and I show her. I said, can you just watch this? Can you hear that, Dad? Dum. Squeeze. And then I stopped and I waited almost too long for effect. I said, can you hear that, Dad? Squeeze. And she went, oh, I'll go and get the doctor. So she got the doctor. Well, he didn't like, he didn't like me, really, because I'm interfering with his procedure, maybe. I don't want to criticise him. Wonderful man. I've said this story before, but I became a fawn in his side for the next eight days. And my dad came round. And this procedure carried on for 
weeks and weeks and weeks I was flying back and forward to Ibiza, London, feeling guilty that I live here, but going back literally every other few days. Again, I can't remember exactly, I don't need to remember exact thing, I just did it. And he came round quite well and I got information. Basically, he lived for seven months. It got to a stage where the hospital system tried to take me to court because they wanted to DNR, it means do not resuscitate. Anyone you ever know that's been in a coma, in their fire will be a thing called DNR. Someone on this island, a woman barrister, said, Trace, when you go back tomorrow, look through your dad's files. I didn't know you could look through your dad's files in a hospital, did you? And if you see a piece of paper with a red border, it means do not resuscitate. And I said, well, what does that mean? She said, it's very controversial. And I said, but what does it mean? She, she, she basically said to me, euthanasia maybe. I didn't understand what she meant. My head's swelling off. So I, I, I head back and I'm Googling DNR, DNR, do not resuscitate. In a different situation, it's in place so that if the man has a heart attack or a seizure, rather than him suffering pain, they let him go gently. Well, my dad was squeezing my hand, smiling at me, and I was trimming his eyebrows, and he wanted to live. Clear as day. But they wanted to force this pr procedure. And then I, I also got information from this woman that I can retract that. I didn't know I can do that, did you? I can stop a medical procedure. I'm just a drummer. Well, I did, and I asked for a meeting. And at that meeting was one of the most powerfulest moments of my life because there was a doctor and a Spanish assistant who kind of gelled with me a bit during the night because I live in Ibiza. Oh, to her, it's like, wow. And what was that instrument last night? And who are you? And this kind of stuff. And at that meeting, I asked, and I didn't say anything until I threw in the, the thing. So can you explain DNR for me, please? Ah, and the doctor said these exact words. He said, it's a procedure. Da, 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 that if your dad has an attack, we let him go peacefully by injecting him. Exactly. What? I'm sorry, that's totally outrageous, yeah, you, and I've never heard of that before in my life. That's absolutely hideous. No, that's what it is. And it, so anyway, so I, I, the the assistant to his left looked looked down, couldn't look me in the eyes. So I said, well, what's the alternative? He's not used to someone saying that. He said, what, are you saying you don't? Because my brother would have put it in place, bless him. He didn't know, he would have listened to the doctors only, he would have taken their advice and nothing wrong with that. And he would have had to have put it in place. I postponed it, retracted it to be reviewed till I understood it. And I won't go on too much because it's changed from the subject to my dad, but he lived for seven months without me doing that and loving him and playing that. He might have lived for two months and he wanted to live. No doubt about, about that. So this thing is very, very controversial. Most people don't even know about it. It's basically in place if there's no point, it's very controversial, no point in keeping that person alive. There's no one to love them or there's no one wants them to live or da -da -da, then it's in place by someone and then the hospital has a legal thing that if the man hasn't attacked and there's pointless just bringing them around again for the sake of having a bit more life, they inject them and they go. Did he ever make it out here to Ibango to see what you're, no. uh, you've created here? No, but I put this as a focus. My, my dad, all everything I know about positive thinking is actually not positive thinking, it's positive feeling. Thinking's wrong. Feeling is the right attitude of that. When we read these books that you have to keep thinking you're going to get that thing, you, no, you have to keep feeling you've already got it. 
and don't have any doubt as you go back to zero again. My dad taught me this stuff without me even knowing what it meant. So I got my dad to his vision board, if you like, what we read about, or his visualisation of where he wants to be is here. I said, I'll get you here. Never did, sadly. But that was his focus, because he didn't know how sick he was. And my focus was, you're going to be coming here. I'll bring you here. And I was, God, would I have done. Uh, and that was his thing, his trip to Spain with his son. He knew about all this. We did When my dad actually died, I came back in and did an event in honour of my dad, my normal event, and that was very humbling. People came. This is also the time when I met and got with Sylvia, another story. Um, it's actually the story, but we'll, we'll keep that. Uh, and and uh, the event was for my dad and close friends of mine knew my dad about my dad because I will I did put it on Facebook for a purpose not just to so, let everyone know I love my dad I'm going back to play bongos on his chest nothing like that mind you but <laughs> I do remember seeing all of these posts on Facebook during that period when he was passing yeah, and I, I do mean, remember feeling very yeah impressed by everything that you were doing to help him on that journey there was a you can criticize people I suppose, like me, that air their views or their dirty laundry on Facebook. But Facebook was incredible for my dad because he's quite a well-known footballer when he was younger and people would message me, I played for your dad in 1972 for this or that team. And I read him those messages and I showed him those messages and his eyes lit up. He was alive, he was involved, he was back on that football pitch. And all that stuff and my friends massively, look at him, massively helped me. And, and and I have no qualms about doing that and I actually and again it's my ego going if people would message me and go you've made me pull over in my car do a U-turn and go and see my dad think about that well now I feel bad about not answering my phone call that came in two seconds ago from my own father but I will call him back as soon as I'm uh, finished chatting to you so let's if we're going to have to move on a little bit because unfortunately we've only got um, we've only got a short period of time left but what have you actually how would you describe what you've created at Ibango what is this place because before I came here I you know I've kind of read a little bit about it I've seen lots and lots of pictures and I you know I know that you're not supposed to drink and you know that obviously it's a place of kind of healing and this is where you hold your kind of like percussive sessions but I'm interested from your perspective what it is that you feel that this this space holds for you because we are buried um, for those that obviously can't see uh, we are up right behind amnesia which I actually spent a little bit of time at Casita Verde one summer when I actually moved in for a little bit of period of time and I always found this space right behind um, amnesia is one of those places where yeah it's kind of interesting being this close to a place where people are getting absolutely smashed powerful isn't it but I quite like the kind of noise tunnel that well, that the, creates as well. The idea came from when I lived in Israel many years ago, when I was 21, after my mum died. I went to Israel with the typical Essex attitude, an English attitude, if you have, which is not a good one. And I quickly learned on a kibbutz, first of all, I'd never met a Russian person before, I've never met someone from Romania, etc. There was all nationalities, all getting along. And nothing to do with money, because on a kibbutz, if you're a millionaire or poor, you're exactly the same. No one will know. And any flashness is left at the door of a kibbutz. And you work. And if you thrive through work and be respectful to who you work for, you will prosper. If you try and give it the flash one or da-da-da, you get spat out. It's a bit like a beaver in a way. <laughs> uh, and there's no money involved, and it's just friendship. The only thing you can give is friendship or love or... or, or so when I came here I had the idea to put a group of people together with music the no alcohol thing I don't have a problem with alcohol at all but I decided to make the Tuesday no alcohol because certain people I know 
can't, cannot go anywhere without being drunk. They're alcoholics, bless them, and I feel sad for that. But they cannot function unless they have a drink. They may even say they're not drunk, but they drink every day, they're alcoholics. And my purpose of doing it was so that the group of people that come here, and it can range from 25 to maybe nearly 100 people, and it's not just about drumming, it's violins, it's harmonicas, it's guitars, it's vocal singing, and everyone always plays together. There's no one... Like, Benny Rass is all about volume and power and bravado, and that's fine, it's wonderful, but this is different to that. Uh, and I don't want it clouded or spoilt by someone being drunk or people or selling drink, which, of course, I could sell drink, but we don't. Sylvia makes vegan food, and that's the only uh, refreshment and tea. And I will say this, I've probably saved at least two marriages, and one in particular, I won't name the people, they're a well-known couple, they've never functioned or been out without the husband being drunk. And that's caused lots of problems, which you may understand or relate to. Da, da, da. It took a while, but he eventually came. He's a drummer, he wants to drum, but he, he literally respected me, so he would not come here and be drunk or try and sneak drink, because you can't sneak drink. And play drums and dance and him and his wife messaged me the other day I said it's the first time in three years we've ever ever been out anywhere and he's not been drunk I don't think he drinks now I ain't saying I cured him but it gave him a doorway a little bit of light or, or an opening so you don't have to be drunk and so here just for a few hours four hours sometimes five hours it's a place to go children can come Anyone can come. Anyone can come. And there's not going to be, you know, an alcoholic or a drunk person if they're active can spoil a whole event, especially here when it's peaceful and it's quiet and it's fires going, it's people sitting on sofas. Uh, and I don't want... Occasionally I see someone with a, a can and I'm very polite. I just say, can you put that away, please? And they they do. They, they do. Um, the regular people and I had a calculation the other day of how many different people come in it's about a thousand uh, different people not all at once my god it'd be like amnesia talking about amnesia which you can see over the background and of course privilege as well incredible super clubs which I appreciate multi-million pound empires this is a little dirt track just two minutes away you, you don't even know it's here unless you know you're coming here so when we fire up at night and we start at say 7 o'clock and uh, we play our, our music it's a music jam of all instruments and it, and it gels really wonderfully when it, we finish when we hear amnesia which is midnight <laughs> that's my calling card to stop I have one neighbours they come here so it's not a problem volume ever but we decide we always finish when we hear amnesia and people sit around for maybe another half hour have a cup of tea and the music just stops and then it's bedtime and as they leave my house, it might be 10, 15, 20 cars, they drive past, 5,000 people plus, I think, heading into amnesia, about to spend 100 euro. Even if you're tight and you don't want to spend anything, you're going to spend 100 euro. And if you're a nutcase, you'll spend 5,000. And it's really powerful. They go home past there. Very rare does anyone ever go in there from here. Uh, and they get indoors and they've just experienced something free wonderful peaceful calming and they just drove them by i'm not knocking it it's amazing as well but something just so different and it's a pretty powerful feeling i think when they're laying in bed and i wonder what it is they hear because your dreams change when you hear music uh, uh, whereas if you come out out of a club you normally hear the last track for about two hours in your head uh, so it, it's it's really the fact that we're in the foreground and you can see all that light up mm. i made the mistake once of having I put some proper lights here once just for effect and about 25 cars just drove down here 
which is fine I just t turned the lights off and realized it, it's not we don't do this to advertise it we don't do it for it to get bigger mm. there's no pressure in if anyone no one comes or 100 people come it doesn't matter mm. and it gives me the same thrill without the stress as putting on huge events and going home with a blooming sack of cash mm. it's just beautiful and and people like it and they even try and pay me for it like donation mm. uh, they, I won't I don't want to spoil it by asking me. I could, I could, you know, 500 euro easy a night, but I don't want it. Yeah, no, I just How old are you now, Chase? I'm 60, December the 10th. I, can't, I might do a party for that. And I'll advertise that fact as well. Not that I think, oh, I look good at my age. But... Well, you do, actually. I was only well, thinking that earlier. You're looking it, quite it, fit it, and it, trim. It's not so much do. It's much, I, I am, because I'm happy inside. This is the key to here. And this is the key to a beef, and I always say this. To me, the most beautiful people on this island, the most beautiful women on this island, are over 60. And we're not talking about the perfect body, we're just talking about they glow inside, they're happy inside. What goes on outside is great, but they're happy inside. A lot of people can be superficially happy with, with fashion and, dare I say it, Botox and all this stuff, but inside they're not actually really happy. But you get happy inside, you, you, it's the holy grail. The rest, the rest is not really as Im as important and this island some of the people here they're, they're just happy and they look like they're going to live forever they're not but <laughs> so me at 60 my life's always been good actually yeah I've had my downfalls with my dad's death and stuff but uh, I'm naturally a happy person I've naturally always been lucky I've actually always been happy and this stage I'm in now related to Sylvia it will probably be the, the best period of my life and I'm just moving into that. So I'm super, super happy whether I have a lot going on or nothing going on. It doesn't ma matter. Back to basics again. In, in, in brief, because we really have got a few minutes to yeah. left, <laughs> how did you and Sylvia meet? Was it actually here at oh, Ibango? Almost impossible in brief. We knew each other thousands of years ago. We just had to meet. And that's it in a nutshell <laughs> we'll we just, leave we it there add, add, add to me that this thing this twin flame phenomenon this soulmates phenomenon this one partner only phenomenon to me as far as we're concerned existed we just had to me our path our journey to this island uh, uh, very interesting but I certainly can't do it in one sentence and as soon as we did actually physically meet we both knew we'd be each other with each other all our life how can, you, how can you say that especially on thing or well, I'm saying it you can mm. and last bit which links the Sylvia thing as it goes on as a big story is when I was 21 my mum died I was 51 no my mum was 51 I was 21 I lost my mum and I, me and my mum were so close and that's when I went travelling to Israel and stuff like that and there was a void there was a gap missing in my life unknown to me so I filled it with life buying big cars big houses houses abroad etc but something was missing always and many years down the line recently my dad passed and during that period is when I got with Sylvia and it all made sense when my dad died I didn't feel broken I felt complete my mum's gone my dad's gone they're wherever they are and it was as if they was both looking at me going he's home again and Sylvia is the key to that my life with Sylvia she they say you can't fill the void of a lost parent you can it's a different void but it's love in its, in its purest form and I'm the happiest luckiest man in the world and this is the biggest love that you've had throughout your entire life no, nothing can compare it I, I've been a person you don't know me in this sense 
especially on this island with all these women on here, I've been a person that is in relationships. In the last 35 years, I've had three relationships. Right? Now, in all those relationships, I suppose I'm looking for what is supposedly called your perfect partner, and elements of them are in all those people. Sylvia has everything and more. Everything, and it's not, it's not even to do with looks. She's beautiful, but it's not even to do, to do with looks. It's just to do with the way we gel. If you see us and how we are, we're like, well, she's quite young anyway, but I'm just like hugely loved. She can handle all this love I've got, all, all this love I've bottled up, all these things I've been searching for, which is love, reciprocated love. That means someone that loves you equally to you love them and it's balanced about any fear or scare that, that you're going to split up and all that. It's just the most powerful, beautiful, wonderful thing. I'm the richest man in the world even if I live in a tent and, and, and I'm really happy with that. But I always, I don't say I've always deserved that, but I kind of might say that. I've always wanted this. I've never quite had it, but wanted it. Whereas some people just want the... The, the, the sex, the thrill, the drama of sex, and that's all right, but they're never going, Hugh Hefner probably died the saddest man in the world. That is that is quite sad, and there's a lot of that that goes on on this island, yes. I think, is that people are just going really for the surface looks and the and the exterior and, and the aesthetics. And, like and that's though. also, sorry, I can only record one person at a time, but I was just saying that, you know, I think there's a lot of people going for the looks and you know they yeah. never ever get to what kind of is beneath the surface and I think you know the bigger love it does lie in what lies beneath all of that and it's 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 very di you know this island just isn't about that really because there's a lot of beautiful people here so it's yeah. easy to get confused or get distracted or get sort of taken off on a you know in a, on, on a path relationship wise that isn't necessarily the one we should be going for I call them the obvious ones the ones that stand out because they're obviously very attractive but actually they're not always the ones that are really right for us. Well, you have to, I call it peel back layers. We're all attracted by beautiful people and, and that's wonderful. I was by Sylvia, actually, it was her wearing no shoes in the market. But as we, the first time I sit in her car, you peel back a layer, you feel something beyond the looks. But you have to know where to look to go beyond the looks, otherwise you're just looking, as you just pointed out, for the, for the next conquest, if you like. And you're never going to be happy doing that. Really, you'll have moments of a thrill or, or an orgasmic sort of encounter, but you're never truly grounded and happy by that. All that is revealed as you get deeper and deeper and deeper. And I, I never ever uh, will. Uh, how can I explain it? There's so many levels of showing someone you love them. It's boundless. It's endless. It's never, and you never stop. There's always another door to open to to show someone how you love them and let them feel not reassured because they 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 think it's a vulnerable relationship, but it's just so powerful when you get with the right person. It's overwhelming. And nothing ever is the same again, and nothing was ever like it before. Just bits of it. It just all of a sudden it's like the you know when you get a magnet and, and you're trying to push them together those reverse magnets and they don't stay. It's all of a sudden it just goes and the synchronicity of your of your life connects you, you do become one person as such you, you become the mirror image of everything you've ever wanted and you feel it you feel it so and, and I found this at my age 50 so, so many wonderful women I speak to they're really powerful women they're independent women and all that you get them sitting on a sofa what they really want most is the perfect relationship don't give up on it never no one especially women 
Women are amazing. They don't ever give up on it. Don't ever give up on it. Go and get two dogs. Turn into the mad cat lady. I suppose I found my ultimate relationship at 57. Is that person that you seek is seeking you. You might even be on the island. You might even meet him on the island. I completely get your point. The superficial looks and you may feel, as a woman, that there's so many, I don't mean competition, but beautiful women. Get rid of that fault because uh, the man you seek who's seeking you, that's just not what he's looking for. He's looking for something far beyond that, a twinkle in your eye or the way you smile or the way you laugh or the way you walk. The looks and everything, and you're attractive, is a bonus. But the person you seek, and they're there, is is out there. And don't ever give up on that. We'll have to leave it there, but that's a good note to leave on it. And I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you, Joe. You've not waffled. It's great. I love it. It's a fascinating story. Talk to you for hours and hours about all the other music stuff as well, but we don't have time. But it is it is wonderful to have finally made it here to uh, Ibango, and I'm just sitting opposite a giant golden penis, which I can see over there by the hammock, which has uh, been making me giggle the whole way through this interview. What's going on with the with the golden penis? Oh. uh the, the super clubs are uh, just as you leave here you go past them and lots of their props and things they use all summer get thrown away and Sylvia is, she's probably the least expected person that would ever pick up a gold penis but she saw it in the rubbish and it's just a funny thing it's not certainly not related to um, uh, what's the word a sexual conversation which it could be if the wrong bloke was looking at it but <laughs> I'm glad it's not just some sort of no, weird religi- religious sexual cult that you've uh, started up here because um, I was kind of getting a little bit worried about you that maybe you were drumming around the golden penis every Tuesday. No, you don't have to worry. That's why I haven't been up here before. You actually know, especially after this conversation, that you definitely don't have to worry, worry, worry about me being in a cult about that. I do. I, I'm very sure about that, and that's exactly why I came here in the first place. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you, Trace Harris, here at Ibango on the Reset Rebel podcast uh, with me, Joe Yule. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining us. Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. Coming to you every day.